0: running. Lift off. We have a lift off.
1: It is 5.09. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750. wsb talk Senator Mitch McConnell has pulled back the Senate Republicans' health care bill. Uh, The CNN running wall-to-wall coverage right now saying White House can't say if Trump thinks Senate bill is mean. That's what I I will get into CNN here in just one moment, but let me bring you the latest on the health care bill. So McConnell had to yank it. And what's interesting is that. Clearly behind the scenes, there was more opposition to the legislation than there was in public. You know, if Harry Reid were the Senate Majority Leader, what Harry Reid would do is he would cut a bunch of deals state by state, uh, essentially bribing senators to get them on board. He would do a fund a big project in Texas for Cruz. He would fund a big project in Utah for Lee. He'd fund one in Ohio for Portman and on and on and on. And he would wind up getting the votes he needed by essentially bribing the Senate. And it would all be perfectly legal. And McConnell's not doing that. But there are deeper problems with the legislation. Now, l- let me step back for just a minute. And if you if you read the uh you probably saw my morning piece already. But if not, uh, let me just do this and say this. Let's concede two points let's first honestly concede that this legislation, despite what Republicans are saying, it does not repeal Obamacare. It doesn't. And privately, they'll admit it. Let's also concede a second point, that this bill does move in the right direction. It does rein in some of the out-of-control Medicaid spending. It does rein in some of the abusive parts of Obamacare, but it doesn't repeal it. And quite frankly, it doesn't go far enough. And therein lies the problem for the GOP. Let's say the Republicans pass legislation and all it does is it changes words in Obamacare. It doesn't change meaning. It doesn't change outcome. It doesn't change policy. It just changes some words. Instead of calling it an individual mandate, it causes it a it cause, calls it a compliance mandate. It's just something minor that doesn't change anything about the legislation, just changes a word or two in the legislation. The moment the Republicans do that, they own Obamacare. Because you see with the CBO report, the media is not going to honestly cover what the Republican legislation did. They're not going to say, well, it just changed two words and doesn't actually change the legislation. They're not going to report that. They're going to say, the Republicans made changes to Obamacare. And every bit of it, they're suddenly going to own. So the question becomes, if the Republicans are going to own Obamacare, because they've made minor changes to it. Should they not then make overwhelming substantive changes to improve it so that it actually improves the situation? Because right now the current Republican legislation doesn't actually improve Obamacare. Costs are still going to go up. Insurance premiums are still going to go up. Access is still going to be limited. All of the things that are caused by Obamacare are still going to happen. Oh, and by the way, the debt and deficit are also going to go up because the one thing the GOP is doing is they're getting rid of all the taxes and penalties. So if if they're going to have to own Obamacare, shouldn't they do something massive and substantive to own it as opposed to just nibbling at the edge and owning what is a disaster of a piece of legislation? Seems to me that they should do that, but they don't seem inclined to do it. Okay, I got to play this audio for you from Dear Nancy. This is from the Washington Free Beacon from a short time ago. It
0: would be shameful. And I know that my colleagues are people of faith. They tell us that all the time. So this is God's creation. We have a moral responsibility to it. To minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. Ignoring those needs so from our faith from our sense of
1: uh the audio is because you know we got crazy wi-fi around here
0: acknowledging that we are all one family in our country it is very important that our colleagues not only read the bill but examine their consciences and look into their hearts and maybe look in the eyes
1: and then she says they dishonor god if they pass it really Okay, first of all, she wants the Republicans to read the legislation she said had to be passed to know what was in it. And then she's going to tell them that to pass this legislation dishonors God. But chopping up children and ripping them apart doesn't? I mean, you got to have some intellectual consistency here, Nancy. If this dishonors God, then so does abortion. But yet you support that. By the way, okay. So you guys know where WSB do, – do you any idea where WSB's headquarters is? So we are um, – you know where the Invesco building is? Right at the – where Midtown and Buckhead meet there is the Invesco building. Right behind it is WSB. And you can cut through um, behind here – and get over to Piedmont uh, Road and to the Botanical Gardens. And I did that earlier today, went over to the Botanical Gardens to walk. My God, there are people who still have the Clinton-Cain signs in their yard. There are. There are. I saw three houses that had the Clinton-Cain signs in their yard. And you got a bunch of well-to-do liberals over here. And they got a bunch of Atlanta mayoral signs in the yard. And I would note that all these well-to-do liberals who believe in diversity, they're all supporting the white guys for mayor of Atlanta. Oh, but on top of that, one person on, was it Beverly or whatever? What is that place? Is that Beverly out there? Yes, Beverly. Yes, yes, yes. Right, right. Over. It has a I stand with Planned Parenthood sign in their yard. And the first thought I had was, well, you can because they haven't ripped your legs off like they would a kid. My goodness gracious, the liberal, I mean, this is virtue signaling by yard sign. We support good white rich liberals to run the city of Atlanta. We didn't vote for Donald Trump. We voted for Hillary Clinton. And, and you know, the, the craziest thing is in all three yards, the signs look new. They don't look dingy. They don't look faded. They look like they must have had a stack of them and they keep circling them every month. So we didn't vote for him. I stand with Planned Parenthood. Well, why don't you give them money so I don't have to have my money confiscated by government to give to them? You got Nancy Pelosi out there telling us that it dishonors God to vote for a health care bill that funds an organization that murders children. Crazy. But... The Republicans aren't going to pass it. They they were never going to pass this legislation, by the way. You do need to know that. This was all a bunch of kabuki theater. It was just an elaborate dance. It's like a mating ritual for the Senate Republicans and their voters. They were never actually going to go through with it though. They just need to look like they're going to go through with it. They really want to get onto other stuff. They really want to get on to taxes. They really want to get on to infrastructure. They really want to get onto anything other than Obamacare. Because many of the same Republicans who voted in 2015 to repeal Obamacare are now saying, no, 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 we can't repeal Obamacare. We need more Medicaid, not less Medicaid. It was all for show then. It's all for show now. Some of these people are up for re-election now, and they don't want to get rid of it. Listen, we might as well come to accept the fact that Obamacare is the law of the land, and it's going to stay the law of the land, and it's going to stay the law of the land because Republicans lied to you. It is 25 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Hang on a second. Jamie Dupree just sent me a, um... (laughs) oh yeah, here. no idea, but I talked to him and he is livid with this whole thing and does think the legislation is just a reward to friends with no real substance. Uh, that's me replying to Jamie Dupree about a certain senator who thinks that this whole legislation, this healthcare legislation, he's livid about it. And thinks it's just the Republican senators trying to reward their friends, but it's no real substance. Mike Lee has come out with a press statement this afternoon. (laughs) The very first line is, this entire piece of legislation is just giving away federal dollars to the affluent while still overly subsidizing people who are capable of buying their own health care insurance. Yes, it is. Mike Lee is fit to be tied. Mitch McConnell, by the way, is livid because the White House has allowed a super PAC to go forward attacking Republican members of the Senate. Now, let's be fair and clear here. The senator who's getting attacked is Dean Heller, the liberal Republican from Nevada. You know, and I know, that if it was Ted Cruz or Mike Lee or Rand Paul getting attacked... Mitch McConnell would be a-okay with that. He would have no problem. But because it's a liberal, squishy Republican up for election next year, Mitch McConnell is horrified, horrified, appalled even, that they're running attack ads against him. I mean, Lee is unhappy with the legislation. Uh, Ron Johnson is unhappy with the legislation. In fact, I hear that Ron Johnson, the senator from uh, Wisconsin, actually called the Senate Republican leaders liars behind closed doors because they're out there saying that this is a repeal of Obamacare. That's what he campaigned on. That Remember, he just won re-election in a race everybody counted him out. On every single list up until the day before the election, Ron Johnson was listed as the Republican who was going to lose his Senate seat. And he won. And he won by making an aggressive push to repeal Obamacare. And he is livid they're not actually going to do that. You should be, too. I mean, how much money have you guys given Republicans since 2010? How many rallies have you gone to? How many doors have you knocked on? How many times have you turned out to vote for them? And first they said, we need the House, we'll repeal Obamacare. Then they said, if we need the House and the Senate, we'll repeal Obamacare. Then they said, we need the House, we need the Senate, and we need the White House to repeal Obamacare. And now they're simply saying, we, we just can't do it. I'm sorry. Give us two-thirds of the Senate, and, and we can do it. Just keep making excuses. You know who else keeps making excuses? The media. Let's get into CNN when we come back. It is 38 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Donald Trump thinks the Senate bill is going to be great. He's trotting out Tony the Tiger to sell it to people. Um, problem is he's got people like Ted Cruz and Rob Portman and Ron Johnson and Rand Paul and Mike Lee and and Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Marco Rubio and you name it and they're not happy. And he can only lose two. Now, let's go to the phones before we move on. Keith and Canton, you are going to be first tonight. Keith, welcome. How are you, Eric? I appreciate uh, everything you do on your show. Thanks very much.
0: So uh, I'm in technology, and I challenge my team when a problem presents itself, don't bring it to me until you have identified a possible solution or not. So given the multivariable equation of the Reconciliation requirements of having to get the votes of people as diverse as Susan Collins and Mike Lee, that some states have done, Medicaid expansion, all that kind of stuff. What suggestions would you have to Mitch McConnell and Purdue and Isaacson to craft a Senate bill that would pass all this and at least move the ball down the road in terms of uh, getting our better health care system in the country?
1: Oh... Boy, that could take me the next five hours, Keith. Um, (laughs) Let's start with the basics. First thing is go back to square one. Repeal the existing framework. If you then have to add back in pre-existing conditions, do it. Uh, If you have to add back in um, paying insurance companies because they got to deal with the pre-existing conditions, do it. Uh, There's your starting point. Then move the bill forward. Uh, Allow people to use health savings accounts to pay for their routine medical expenses. Allow employers to add into those accounts tax-free without penalties to them or to the employee and allow those accounts to accumulate over time without expiration so that medical bills can be paid. Allow people as well to use those accounts to pay for their own health insurance benefits. That's your number one start. The best way to put people in charge of their health care and lower health care costs is to make sure people are directly connected to it. When you and I go to the doctor right now, we hand them our insurance card, we may have a copay, but we have no idea how much the actual doctor's visit is going to cost unless we're paying cash. And then we know, and in most cases, doctors will negotiate if you pay cash, although they're not allowed to tell you that until you start the process. So when you allow people to have health savings accounts and you allow employers to put money into those accounts and they know that money is still going to be there next year, it's going to roll over instead of being emptied out by the federal government, you're going to incentivize people treating their routine health visits just like they treat car maintenance. I mean, you don't file an insurance claim when you get your oil change, do you? You don't file an insurance claim when you get a flat tire, do you? <laughs> and they're nodding. I don't. I mean, the last time I filed an insurance claim for my car, my windshield got shattered by an 18-wheeler's exploding tire. And they covered it. But for routine maintenance, I don't do that. And you know what? It's actually not super expensive. But you put an insurance company between me and getting my oil changed, guess how much it's going to start costing to get your oil changed? Well, if one, you're not going to have any idea, but it's going to be a lot more expensive because of the insurance. I mean, that's one of the single greatest things that could happen in this country. You know, there is a movement among doctors now, particularly west of the Mississippi. There are a number of doctors who have started advertising their prices and allowing people to come in and competitively shop between doctors for just routine medical exams, getting antibiotics, um, getting checked out when they have a cold, getting an ingrown toenail removed, things like that. And take that off the insurance, have an actual price list, so people have an idea of it. And it has worked. It has reduced costs in the areas that are doing it. But Obamacare isn't about reducing costs of health care. It's about treating health care as a right. And the Republicans have adopted that attitude as well, that health care is a right, which there is no right to health care. I'm sorry. It's not in the Constitution. It's not in the Declaration of Independence. It's not in the Bill of Rights. You have a right to life. That doesn't mean you have a right to a good life. There is a difference. A a friend of the show texted a while ago, heard the Nancy Pelosi clip that it would dishonor God to get rid of this legislation and pointed out, you know, if a Republican said we had to do something to honor God, the Democrats would scream separation of church and state. So why aren't liberals outraged that Nancy Pelosi thinks we need to keep Obamacare to honor God? Good point. Uh, separation of church and state. You know. By the way, that reminds me. Uh, there, the left is in a total meltdown over Neil Gorsuch today. There's this hilarious article over at Slate.com today, where their gay rights pro reporter it basically says <laughs> Neil Gorsuch is worse than we even thought he was going to be. It's glorious. It's actually the greatest ringing endorsement of Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. Turns out he may be to the right of Clarence Thomas. He is definitely to the right of Antonin Scalia. Hallelujah. Back to the phones. Cindy in Sandy Springs, you're next. Welcome.
0: Hi, Eric. I got a question. All right. Uh, re- regarding this whole fiasco of the health care and how the uh, I could go on and on about how angry I am at mm-hmm. most of those Republicans. Uh, but my question is how do we support those few that are actually fighting this piece of
1: <laughs> well, okay. I'll tell you the easiest way to support them is to support the organizations that stand behind them. Which uh, is what the Club for Growth and the Senate Conservatives Fund. Uh, those two organizations have come out swinging today and have pledged to defend any Republican who is attacked by the GOP for opposing okay. um, this legislation. Uh, good for them. Okay. Uh, yes, Senate Conservatives definitely. Fund, Club for Growth have come out and said that this this legislation breaks every promise the Republicans have made to us and they need to fix the bill. And I completely agree with them. It is not a repeal. And listen, here's the thing. I will concede to you that it moves incrementally in the right direction. But then you need to concede that that move, even if it's a tiny step, means the GOP is going to own Obamacare. And so if they're not going to move far enough to fix it, they shouldn't be doing this. They should just leave it in place and let it fail. I mean, it is going to collapse. So let it collapse and then create a crisis and not let that crisis go to waste. Where have we heard that before? Five fifty four. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB. Back to the phones we go. Joe yeah. and Holly Springs, welcome. Hey, thanks, Eric. Enjoy sure. Enjoy listening to you today. Thank you. Hey, uh,
0: real quickly, under reconciliation, only certain things can be done to Obamacare. What are those things, in 25 words or less, and why not take some baby steps rather <laughs> than Oh, sit back and, you know, shoot for the moon.
1: Twenty-five words or less. Okay, so the reconciliation process. Okay, the reconciliation process. They can do anything that lowers the deficit in terms of spending and budget. So all of the budgetary fiscal impacts of Obamacare can be repealed so long as they do not increase the debtor deficit. And that's how they're they're trying to carve this out. Uh, They cannot do a repeal of all of the regulations in Obamacare through this legislation uh, because those regulations have no impact on the debt and deficit. Every bit of it has to have an impact on debt and deficit. So they have to package it in that way. They could do a mass repeal of Obamacare and essentially say, I repeal it. The problem is because of the way Obamacare includes taxes and fines and whatnot, the odds are that would show that it would actually increase the deficit by a couple pennies, and that would fall outside reconciliation.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. that's the I, problem. I'm just frustrated. I wish I understand where some of these other senators are coming from. Uh, and maybe, like you said, maybe the. Best thing is just let it implode.
1: Well, and you know, Joe, they got another problem here I don't think people understand is you only get one bite at the reconciliation apple a year. So if they do this oh. with this, uh, they're done for the year with reconciliation. They can't do anything else to Obamacare through reconciliation. Okay. Yeah. Now, that, does that –
0: does that apply to taxes? I mean, and reconciliation?
1: Uh, yes. It? Yeah, I mean, oh. anything else they do this year on on budget, debt, deficit, all of it, they get one shot at the apple for reconciliation each year. And so you
0: can only ask the prom queen out one time. Exactly. And she says, no, you're screwed.
1: That, yes, okay. that's exactly it. Got to let you go there, Joe. When we come back, CNN. Well, they stepped in it, and then they fired people. Nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Oh, there's Chuck Schumer bloviating on CNN right now about the health care bill that he knows doesn't really do much. By the way, this is the guy who lied on TV about whether the president was under investigation or not. How can you believe anything he says? Plus, he's a Democrat and his mouth's moving, so you know he's lying. Um, We got to get into the CNN stuff. CNN has let go three reporters. They're calling it a they resigned. Uh, they, they weren't given a choice but to resign. So last Friday, CNN ran a story that uh, sources, one source, had told them that the Senate was looking into uh, Anthony Scaramucci, who was the president's uh, campaign chairman, that he and Jared Kushner had ties to a Russian investment group that may possibly have contributed money to influence the election. The story was not true. CNN typically, when a story is not true, updates the story, strikes through the text, and puts something up at the top that says they've retracted it. This story, they deleted it all together. And they put up a piece that apologized for it. It did not meet their editorial standards. And they apologized to Mr. Scarmucci. Notice they did not apologize to Jared Kushner, just to Mr. Scarmucci. Which Scarmucci that just sounds like a, like something that you would have in The Godfather, doesn't it? That sounds like a name you would have in The Godfather. Nonetheless, I digress. So the three individuals who were involved, I mentioned this yesterday, they have resigned from CNN. and they were forced to resign. Jeff Zucker didn't give them a choice. They were forced to resign. Now, today, um, James O'Keefe, in his Project Veritas, came out with an undercover video of a CNN producer saying that CNN is covering all the Russia stuff for ratings. And that a lot of what they're doing right now is just BS, and it's just a ratings grab, and there's nothing there, there, it doesn't appear, but they're running the stories anyway, because Zucker is interested in ratings, ratings, and all that stuff about journalistic ethics you learn in J school is just nonsense when, when ratings are up for grabs. Guy's telling the truth. Uh, may lose his job as a result, being caught undercover, uh, running his mouth. He is not actually a political producer at CNN, he's a healthcare producer, uninvolved in anything. Project Veritas says it has another video coming tomorrow. Now, that all sets the scene for what I want to tell you. You know, CNN, although they've moved most of their executive management and whatnot to New York, it it is the hometown team here in Atlanta. I worked for CNN for three years. CNN has a liberal bias. CNN has always had a liberal bias, and one of the reasons CNN hired me was because they recognized they had a liberal bias, and they told me specifically, uh, John Klein, when he was the president of CNN, that they wanted someone who could actually connect to people who lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and they didn't have anyone, nor was there that person in the beltway for them. And I was there for three years, and frankly, had we been able to put into uh, my contract a provision that I would not be blown out of the water or punished for something I had said on radio or, or written at my website, then I would still be there, even though they were offering less money than the Fox. I really liked being at CNN. It was a challenge, knowing that uh, there was an institutional bias against my viewpoint, being able to still get it across. Uh, I appreciated that. I appreciated the challenge, and I appreciated the people. I have a lot of friends who work at CNN, and I have a great deal of respect for the network. But CNN has decided that it is going for ratings to be part of the resistance to President Trump. There are really good reporters and anchors at CNN who play it straight. Jake Tapper is one of them. Gloria Borger is a dear Gloria Borger is like a big sister— John King got me hired at CNN. Uh, I I think the world of these people, Anderson Cooper, is one of the nicest people you will ever meet on the planet. Uh, I very much think the world of these people. And I I feel bad for them that they are in a situation where they are at a network where they are clearly aggressively um, pushing back at the White House. And in large part, I think the producer is right. It's for ratings. It's because they know. I mean, look at Stephen Colbert versus Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Stephen Colbert is his show gets more viewers on a nightly basis. Now, Jimmy Fallon actually wins the demo, and that's important. The demo are basically the the 20 to, to 50-something-year-olds who all the advertisers love, and Fallon wins that. But Colbert gets a much bigger audience because he's so aggressively partisan right now, and the left cannot abide uh, by having nonpartisan humor. Everything's got to be political to the left. And Colbert is willing to feed into that sense of grievance and outrage, and so the liberals are turning to him because Liberals like to stay at a constant state of pissed offness, and he gives it to them. Fallon wants them to laugh. Well, at, at CNN, they are just pouring fuel on the fire with this Russia stuff, and they have been because it generates ratings. And it doesn't matter what they report, as long as it's like uh, Don Lemon, uh, God bless him, in that Mal- missing Malaysian airliner. I mean, who on TV was discussing whether or not a black hole could have sucked up a Malaysian jetliner. And they went wall-to-wall coverage, and they saw an uptick in their ratings because of it. At some point, I think people were just tuning in to see the train wreck. But people are turning in to see the train wreck now of the Trump administration or what they portray as a train wreck of the Trump administration. They're going wall-to-wall on the Russia stuff. And it has now blown up in their face on several occasions. They had the story that James Comey was going to... Uh, contradict the president about an investigation into the president. He did not. It was an embarrassment to a number of very good reporters, some of whom are friends of mine. Sources lied to them. Now, three reporters, one of whom won a Pulitzer Prize, have lost their jobs because they ran with a single-sourced story about the president's campaign in Russia. And this is the important part. It comported to their worldview. They didn't have to question it because it told them what they already believed. And that is CNN's problem. There are not a lot of people there at the editorial level who are right of center. There are even fewer people there who support the president. So when someone comes peddling stories about Russia and the president they're more likely than not going to believe the story. And they're not going to have to do serious editorial digging and investigative work to see if it's true or not, because they already believe it is so. And that's getting them into trouble. It has opened an avenue for the president of the United States to attack CNN as fake news, and many of his tribal loyalists absolutely believe it, whether it's true or not. Having been at Fox and having been at CNN, I think the world of both of them, I think they both do really good news. I think it's very funny when CNN attacks Fox, because part of it is jealousy, I think it's also very funny that Fox is attacking CNN over this, because for years CNN held their nose at Fox and said, this isn't real news, and Fox now can point at CNN and say, look at all the stuff they've screwed up. I mean, CNN has egg on their face. It is an unforced error on their part. And hopefully they'll clean it up. They are a good news organization. There are a lot of good, hardworking people at CNN. One of the things I've always admired about some of the people I worked with at CNN, not all, but some of the people I worked with at CNN who are still there and are now higher in the company than they were when I was there, is that they knew they were liberal. And they worked very hard to find the alternative opinion. They worked very hard to find out what people like me thought. So that they could try to convey those uh, fairly. I can't tell you the number of evangelicals who tell me all the time they love going on CNN, even on a show like Anderson Cooper, where they know he and they don't see eye to eye on worldview, but he's willing to give them a fair shot. Unfortunately, there are a lot of reporters at CNN right now and people at the editorial level who don't want to give the president a fair shot because they're convinced that he's guilty. They're convinced he's under investigation. And you know what? He's not under investigation, but Bernie Sanders is. Where's that story? Remember, in the next half hour, we're going to annoy you with some sound that you can then listen to again in the 7 o'clock hour and call in and say that you were annoyed and win tickets to a baseball game. Stick around for that, y'all. Confession is good for the soul, I guess. My wife has pulled the cancer card on me to try to get a motorcycle. And I just don't know. I I, I don't know that I can, I, I I don't know that I can, With I don't want her to have a motorcycle. I don't want to get her a motorcycle. And she wants one like really, really, she wants a Harley really, really bad. Yeah, You know, she keeps telling me I could ride in a sidecar. Yeah, not gonna happen. No, unless I have a little horn and I can go. If right, have a little goggles and squeak the horn. Honk, honk, honk. honk. <laughs> no, no way. She, she really wants a motorcycle, and this is just not going to end well for me, I'm afraid. Oh my goodness gracious. <sighs> okay, we have to move on to other things, don't we? Well, you know, let me stick with the CNN point for just a, another minute, because I'm I'm getting angry people calling and, and tweeting and emailing that, that, of course, I'm a liberal because I'm defending CNN. I'm, I'm not defending CNN because they shouldn't have done what they did. And, you know, the American press corps is less popular in this country than toilet bowl mold. And every time they complain about the president, uh, the president's popularity goes up. I mean, and and the media has gotten so arrogant in this country, across the board, that they don't understand their dislike and they're not trusted uh, because they, a long time ago, traded objective truth for subjective opinion. They no longer want to tell you what happened. They want to tell you why they think from their liberal perspective it happened or what should happen. And people can make up their mind themselves. They don't need... Liberals in the media to tell them what should happen. They just need to know the facts. And they're falling down on their job in that. And this Russia stuff is a prime example of it. They're speculating. Most of the reports you read, most of the stuff you hear on TV, isn't the facts. It, it is not just the facts, ma'am, it is speculation. It is what unnamed sources tell you might have happened and then they retract them. I mean, go back to the Washington Post story in December where they reported that the Russians had hacked into the American power grid and then they had to retract it. Go back to the New York Times stories that have been retracted or now the CNN story. It's all speculation based on unnamed sources and the guys in the media need to wake the hell up and realize they're being played by a bunch of Obama loyalists. It is 38 after the hour. Now, 10 of you get to actually go to a Gwinnett Braves game with Mark Eram and company on July 20th. I do believe it is. Yes, Thursday, July 20th, 7.05 p.m. is the game time. Ten of you will win four packs of tickets to the suite of the Gwinnett Braves game at Cool Ray Field. It's the giant mega suite, and Mark Aram is going to be broadcasting from there. And Now, here's what you have to do. To do this is you have to stay listening until the first half of Mark Aram's show in the 7 o'clock hour and wait until you hear this annoying sound. Everybody clap your hands. My God, it, it, who comes up with these things? Okay, wow. <sighs> Hang on a sec. I don't see a short bus in the parking lot, um, but geez. <laughs> so yes, when you hear that annoying sound... Um, you will know that, well, we, we, we hire special needs folks and they do things around the office for us, including pick out annoying sounders that in the seven o'clock hour from seven to seven 30, you can call in when you hear that annoying sound and win tickets, the phone number you will call is 404-741-0750. No, don't call now. No, hang up. No. Call after Mark Aram comes and you can hear that sound again. We're not going to play it again this hour. Claudia and Snellville, save me from them. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Eric. I wanted to tell you first of all I love your show, so
1: Thank you. I, I hope That's this nice. annoying sound doesn't ruin it for you.
0: <laughs> no, but I will say that um, I, I think I'll be turning it off after I finish with your show. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, I just wanted to say, I heard you talking about Nancy Pelosi and uh, her bringing God into the whole uh, Republican health care bill, and I thought, where was she where God was concerned when abortion was, um, uh, you know, talked about and debated about whether we should uh, end funding with Planned Parenthood and so forth? If she's so pro God, I don't understand why abortion's
1: okay with her. Is that not the? the, I'm glad you say that because it it is the most galling thing to me to hear Democrats trot out God, and then of course you know they they trot out the old line about well Republicans only care about kids until they're born, uh, which is a whole lot of garbage. Um, I just, exactly. It's infuriating to me that they do this, but we got to remember that among the secular left, of which Nancy Pelosi is a part, they believe in a God, and God's name is Uncle Sam, and God has priests, and those priests are called Planned Parenthood. And it is an exactly. entire religion for them, this whole secular atheist abortion stuff. There's no such thing as an atheist. They all believe in some God, just not the right one.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, well, listen. Thank you
0: for letting me voice
1: that. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for doing it. Thank All you for right. calling, Claudia. Thank you very much. Stick around for the annoying sound after seven o'clock, if you dare. Yeah, you folks, listen. I, I mean, I let me get back on my soapbox here. There is no such thing as an atheist, and I know there are people listening right now who are yelling at the radio, saying, "I'm an atheist." Well, you have a god too. You there is something that you put first in your life. It is your idol. It is the thing you value most, and that is your God. You worship it in some way. With the left, I mean abortion is their sacrament of their secular religion. These people believe. I mean, it, it, this is a, a six thousand year old thing, sacrificing kids. I mean, you've actually got liberals out there who say we got to have abortion because of climate change. You know, six thousand years ago, they were saying we got to kill kids for the harvest and the rain too. You know, what goes around comes around. They just use slightly different language instead of speaking the the, the language of the day, and writing it in cuneiform on clay tablets along the banks of the Euphrates. Now they've got the. Washington Post in English and the editorial page saying kill kids for the harvest. There's really no difference out there. Everything comes full circle. Everybody's got a god. A lot of people don't have the right one, and when you don't it's called an idol. And right now the the, the big god is scientism. Science says, therefore we must do X Y and Z. There are a whole lot of things science can't explain, like what came before the big bang. They don't know that one. I know that one because I read the Bible. They don't. And then they get all bent out of shape when you raise that point. That's unfair. No, it's a totally legit question. But scientism doesn't give you the answer. It's just your God. And it's a false one. Well, feminists are outraged today because of a friend of mine who has written a piece where she said women have an obligation to stay in shape when they get married to stay hot for their husband. And feminists are outraged by this. It has become a, an international story. Even the British newspapers have picked up on this. I'm going no further than that other than to say, I know the person who wrote the story. She's a wonderful person, recently married, and I, I've got friends who disagree. I will not wade into this territory other than to say feminists are yet again outraged by so. Is there anything feminists aren't outraged about? I'm having a real hard time keeping up with this. Apparently now there have been three waves of feminism. We're on something called third wave feminism. Maybe we're on fourth wave feminism. All I know is that the armpit hair gets longer every wave we have. And they get angrier every single time. I mean, their voices get deeper, their Birkenstocks get less comfortable, and their their legs get more hairy. I just don't understand how people can be so aggrieved in a society which gives them so much. And they have quite a bit, by the way. I mean, the poorest person in the United States, whoever that may be, is still better off than the poorest person in most parts of the world. And yet these people, I mean, that's the deal here, let's be honest is they have lots and lots of time to be aggrieved. They have lots and lots of time to complain because they have a really good life. And part of that good life has allowed them to spend a lot of time developing a religion around the idea of killing kids, which is horrifying, but there you have it. That's what they do. I just, I don't understand it. You know, I tell my daughter all the time, She can grow up and be whatever she wants, and I believe she can, other than a boy. And the left, well, they believe she could be a boy if she wanted to. No, she can't. That's anti-science. Nonetheless, you see where I'm going with this. I mean, all of us should believe that boys and girls can do whatever they want to do. But then don't scream at the world and deepen your voice and refuse to shave your armpits, dear, if you don't get your way, because that's just gross, and feminism just makes you angry, apparently. It is 55 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. Oh, look, look, look. On CNN tonight, they're interviewing John Podesta, the Russian connection inside the attack on democracy. It really is all about the ratings. You would think after they've been bitten in the butt twice in the last two weeks by this story, they might slow down. I actually emailed one of the heads over there and said, you know, if you guys just slowed the train down, you might not be running into so many problems. But they're all in on this stuff. You know, Podesta had his email hacked, uh, supposedly by the Russians. Is it not curious that the DNC refused to allow the FBI to help him? The DNC wouldn't hand over their hard drives? Why could that be? What crimes were the DNC afraid the FBI might discover? Hmm. I don't know. But it just seems that they are doing this for ratings. I think that producer is right. And I feel bad for the guy. He may lose his job, reprimanded, suspended, something. Uh, But he told the truth. It's about ratings. They are focused on this Russia story because they think. But you know what else it does, this Russia story? It continues to provide Democrats a grievance by which they don't have to accept the fact that their 2016 candidate was terrible. And their 2018 crop of candidates is turning out not to be so great. They're just a bunch of sore losers with a grievance and they don't have any way to help the American people with any policy.